This is The Feed, York Region's only news magazine dedicated to the issues, events, and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. Welcome to The Feed. I'm Ann Romer. On the show, managing your money and your debt through the holidays and how to get back on the financial track in the new year. But we begin with a look ahead to winter. Here's Kevin Frankish with the forecast. Well, here we are, beginning of winter officially, and uh, we have heard all sorts about winter forecasts and this and that. But you know what? You know who knows? Dave Phillips from Environment and Climate Change Canada joins me right now. Uh, And Dave, you have been doing winter forecasts for 50 years. I know, Kevin. It's been a long while. I've seen a lot of of weather coming our way. um, I've been in the business so long that, that my gosh, uh, I can remember where we never even talked about climate change. It was sort of the ice age cometh, an overheated planet. But boy, it's uh, it's really that is the big story right now. It's the way that changed. But you know, seasonal forecasting has improved, Kevin. I mean, it's it's uh, it's not like I'd bet a family farm or the fishing fleet on it. Um, it's still a, a, a work in progress. We're better now than we used to be. I mean, our opposition used to be the Farmers Almanac, but now I think we beat the Farmers Almanac. But hey, it's still a bit of a guessing game and sometimes you know you feel confident that it's going to work out the way you did you even go to the bank on it but um, I think one of the hardest things about seasonal forecasting Kevin is that you come up with a forecast say three months ahead uh, first of December January February what is the character the personality uh, the nature of kind of winter season going to be and everybody thinks it's going to be that way throughout I mean, it's, they, 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 don't, they confuse the, 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 the weather forecast from a, a seasonal forecast. And we know the weather can change on a dime, and one day can be different than the next day. Well, the seasonal forecasting is giving you sort of a sense of what it's going to be, but not every day. You couldn't plan your, your outdoor skiing trip or your outdoor wedding ceremony based on the seasonal forecast, because it really begins to deteriorate as you move along. So if you're willing to accept things like it's going to be warmer than normal, colder than normal, it's going to be wetter or, or less snow or more snow, well, then it does have some skill, and we can offer people a chance to kind of a heads up. But I don't think it's got to the point yet where we could um, would want to invest a lot of money in an activity that was really dependent on the accuracy and the timeliness of a seasonal forecast. It's like a pinball machine, isn't it? I mean, we, we know generally which direction the ball is going, but it can hit a little bumper along the way and it go shoot off in a different direction. So all we need is one wayward storm, one low pressure system that doesn't the way it's supposed to, and it just knocks everything off. Well, that's a good analogy. I, I think it, there is a lot of, of similarity to that. It, it's uh, you know you you get a sense of how it's starting out, and and all of a sudden uh, something comes back and bites you. Like the polar vortex wants to hang out a little longer, or you get things like El Nino, La Nina, and the current one is La Nina, and that's certainly for people in Western Canada. That usually means a colder and uh, and usually a snowier than normal winter. And what we've seen so far is that as how it's played out. This is the third year in a row, but the La Niñas in, the, in recent years haven't always been the same kind of, of character and stripes that previous ones have been. So it's almost as if that can't be, you know, the, 
the, the the only thing that determines what the what the winter or the summer is going to be to be like. It, it is a crapshoot um, because it really there are so many factors that affect the weather and the seasons. Um, you know, it it just if we knew which one it was, well, we would have a better opportunity to get be more confident and accurate with our forecast. But you don't know what's going to grab hold and control the kind of weather you're seeing from one season to uh, or from one month to the to the next. And you're right, it can change on a dime. I mean, it just absolutely you can see. I've seen some winters, for example, that started off frigidly cold and and almost Siberian air occupying every nook and cranny, and then all of a sudden the January thaw had disappeared and we were balmy with an early melt and a and a longer spring. So it's it's really it's 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 not something that, as I say, I would bet a lot of money on. I think it's getting better. The science is better. And the reason why it's better, though, Kevin, is that we're monitoring the oceans better. And when you, whatever happens in the oceans will affect the long-term effects of seasonal weather or seasonal outlooks. In fact, we don't even call it a forecast. We ought to call it just a seasonal outlook. What does the winter outlook look for in the, in the Toronto area? And so, hey, so let's, let's look at what we're going to see. Here is the outlook for York Region for this winter. Well, we think it is really what you see is what you're going to get. Uh, we had a very warm fall. One of, we've been on seven, eight months in a row with warmer than normal temperatures in the York region, the GTA area. And so a lot of that stored heat in the lakes and the land is, is still going to temper some of those cold Arctic outbreaks that, that come our, our way. So I think what we've seen is a milder December than we normally have, and I think that's how it's going to play out for the rest of the month and into January, February. Now, right away, don't don't call me and and criticize me for saying that when it turns that we get a polar vortex at the you know at the end, at the beginning of January in the last two weeks, we're going to have those spells. I mean, that's really the makeup and the character of what winter's going to be. But we feel that this this winter and the americans their forecasts are saying similarly that it will be a little milder than normal not 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 july warmth but just warmer than the kind of of winters we've had in the past and i think the last two winters may very well be indicative of the kind of winter we see this year last year we had a la nina and it turned out to be kind of normal temperatures with lots of snow the year before, also La Nina was milder than normal, and we had just kind of a normal amount of snow. So my sense is that we're going to, for the most part, keep this kind of milder conditions, um, and uh, we'll see some snow events. Hard to always get the precipitation right, but certainly we've been a normal amount so far, and I think that we probably will hold on to that, and that's the kind of a of a winter season we've we've gone. So I think there'll be something for everybody. I think there'll be some cold moments where people can go skiing and snowboarding and and skating, um, where the uh, ski hills can make snow. Um, But I would never uh, procrastinate. If you're thinking about going and enjoying the outdoors, and uh, then don't, don't, don't wait. Enjoy it now. If it's safe and the ice is safe, go enjoy it, as we talk about in January or February. 
but it, it can change very quickly. And here in southern Ontario, it changes because we'll get a warm air from the south. It brings rain, which can make the snow disappear. And, um, and so it's, it's often very fleeting and fickle, but not like it is in western Canada when the cold sets in, you're in there for the long haul. I think if the kind of variable kind of conditions we have, it'll make winter go that much faster. I think so far we haven't been inconvenienced. Some years already we can say we've had too much winter. Well, we really haven't had very much at all. And, uh, and, and my sense is that I think it will be a bit tamer than we're, we're used to, and, uh, but we'll still have winter to complain about. We love to complain about the weather as Canadians and people in, in York Region and the GTA are no different. And we bless it and we curse it. But it is the spice of life that we talk about a lot. And that's because we get attacked from every direction by the weather. So my sense is that, hey, there will be moments that we're complaining about it, and there will be other moments that we wish we had migrated or hibernated. And, uh, but, you know, all of a sudden, hey, we know the days very soon are going to get longer. Kevin, I think that's a wonderful moment. They are starting to get longer now, which is, uh, which is wonderful. Well, Kevin, do you want to do one little thing about White Christmas, though? Because there's a positive thing <sighs> there. That's going to be on everyone's mind. I just assume that seeing as we have this snow coming, uh, you know, we had this snow this past week uh, and uh, there was already a covering. Are we not in for a guaranteed white Christmas? Well, it's almost guaranteed. Uh, not so so much right now. I mean, we were seeing uh, before the first day of winter, um, we had about four centimeters and the snow that came at the end of the, the, that week, a uh, week before, say, Christmas, brought some snow. But, you know, in the Toronto area, that's no guarantee. I've seen one winter, one um, on the 22nd of December, I remember one year, we had 20-some centimeters of snow sitting on the ground. And all you need is two centimeters for a white Christmas. Well, it disappeared by Christmas morning. It didn't have two centimeters because you can get warm rains, you can get uh, warm temperatures that can totally assault that. So I think what we're seeing this year, and you know, the last 13 Christmases, Kevin, we've had nine green and four white. It's only 30%. I mean, kids, not, they don't just, uh, you know, uh, dream of a white Christmas. They have to pray for a white Christmas. <laughs> and so I think that what we're going to see this year is I'm going to bet a few loonies on the fact that this will be a white Christmas because we're going to have snow going into, say, um, the, say the first full day of, of winter, and that's going to give the snow cover, but I think we're going to see falling temperatures. And so we're not going to see any melting temperatures uh, uh, on the week leading up to Christmas. We're going to be able to hold the snow. We're going to make snow up in the, in the snow belt area, in the ski areas, and we see even the week of uh, between Christmas and New Year's being a little colder than normal. So kids who get those saucers and toboggans and, and snowboards at Christmas will be elated because what they'll have is the perfect kind of look. It'll feel and look like winter, and they'll be able to use those, those presents uh, to good effect. I'm not saying what's going to happen after that, but I think the very important period between the Christmas and New Year's period, where a lot of these ski resorts and uh, resort areas in Ontario make their money um, and determine whether it's going to be a bankruptcy year or a prosperity year, will will clearly do well. And so I think we're going to see not cold, cold record uh, polar vortex type weather, but a nice snow cover, uh, uh, snow in the air at times, and, and cool enough to keep what we have. So I think nature is looking favorably upon us this year. I think we will get in the great 
and 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 the great smoke of Toronto and and New York region, I think we'll see more white surfaces than brown or green surfaces. I'm just picturing Dave Phillips now in his toque and snowsuit, uh, maybe tobogganing down a hill. Let's out near the weather radar site, uh, just uh, near King King City. I'm picturing that uh, right now, Dave. Well, it's better than what people picture when I talk about muscle shirts and tank top kind of weather. You wouldn't, you wouldn't <laughs> okay. picture me in that. You have yourself but, a hey. great holiday season, sir. Thank you so much, Kevin. All right, Dave Phillips, Environment and Climate Change Canada. Next, safety first. When buying and installing festive holiday lighting and decor, Jim Lang with the top 10 list. It's the holidays, time to decorate the house, decorate the tree, lights, twinkling lights, looking like the Griswolds and Christmas vacation, but there is a safety factor to it that we have to be aware of. To talk more about how to be safe when we decorate our homes over the holidays, thrilled to be joined by Nancy Hanna, the Senior Director of Electrical Safety Authority, or another or from the ESA. Um, Nancy, how are you? I'm fine, thank you for having me. So I'm just going to give you some high-level yes, safety yes. tips from an electrical perspective. I'd love that, yes. Um, when, you're buying, when you're buying electrical products, make sure that they are certified, they bear a label, they bear a CSA label, a UL label, a ETL label, so make sure that they are certified. The second one is when you're decorating, make sure that you're using the light uh, strings, the correct ones, for indoor or for outdoor. And how do we know the difference? So it's always on the package. It's always on the product itself. It tells you if this is for indoor use or it's for outdoor use. Got it. So look at the package. Think about it before you use it. And, and make sure you're using the right one for the right location. Perfect. And next? Next is uh, always turn off the lights before you leave or before you go to bed. Uh, these are not meant to stay on all the time. So when you're away, please turn them off, unplug them, um, and stay safe. I know that we have a, a timer for outside lights that goes on at a certain time and goes off at a certain time so we don't forget. And then uh, we do the same thing. It's like before we go to bed, unplug the Christmas lights on the Christmas tree, then we know we don't have to worry that we actually left them on overnight. Correct. And these timers, similar to any electrical product, need to be certified, need to have an approval mark on it. Here's here's one I didn't even really think about because we reuse the same lights indoor and outdoor every year. Check old decorations and lights for signs of damage and replace damaged electrical products with new ones. I something I didn't even really think about. For sure. When you're taking them out of the box, um, check that they are not damaged. Another thing to look out for is these ones that uh, for outdoor, they are not meant to be left hanging year-round. So make sure you take them down put them in the box for the next year. Uh, they were not designed to stay out uh, year-round. And yes, when you're taking them out, please check that they are good to go. And now I have some friends that really, really pull up a lot of lights. And here's something that you don't really think about, but make sure your outdoor lights are not close to any power lines. Yes, so when you are um, getting your ladder out to, to hang lights, look around and look up before you put this ladder up. Make sure you are not... Uh, you know, there's no power lines in the vicinity. This is a really dangerous, really dangerous um, thing. And um, I really don't want any family to go through that during Christmas time. I, am, I remember several years ago, we heard about an incident mm. um, of a father putting the lights up and, and he touched um, 
he touched the overhead lines with the ladder, and it was a very unfortunate incident. So this is a very important one to look up for. Speaking with Nancy Hanna, the senior director of the Electrical Safety Authority, getting you ready for the holidays, making sure that your indoor and outdoor lights are put up correctly and safely. And here's one that makes a lot of sense, though sometimes we forget about. Make sure your bulbs don't touch supply cord wires, cloth, paper, other materials that might catch fire because it gets hot, doesn't it? Exactly. The newer versions, uh, the LED lights, don't get as hot uh, as the older ones. But at the same time, you really want to make sure that they are um, not touching anything just in case and uh, that they are um, not damaged in any way. Now, here's one for my wife and I, because we have a dog and a cat. And anyone who's a pet owner, make sure pets or kids don't play with any of the electrical decorations or cords. That seems like a no-brainer, Nancy. Of course. And I have a little dog, too, and she just likes to get into the Christmas tree. So, for sure, um, you don't want them to be hurt. You don't want them to damage it. Uh, some of the um, like puppies like to chew mm. on the... Uh, on wires and so on. So that's that's very important to watch out for. To get all of these very important safety tips for you and your family, just go to the website, ESA Safe, uh, for Electrical Safety Authority, esasafe.com slash holiday safety. Uh, when in doubt, check out the website. Make sure, talk to the professionals, the Electrical Safety Authority, to make sure we have a good and safe holiday because it just takes a little bit of thought and preparation and knowledge, and you don't have to worry about over the holidays, Nancy, and that's what you and your staff are all about, making sure we have a safe holiday. For sure. We want everyone to enjoy the holidays. We want you to look out for all of these safety tips so it ends up to be a happy and, and a joyful time and um, crossing our fingers for everyone out there not to have any uh, unfortunate incidents. So, yes, yeah, stay safe and uh, and enjoy the holidays. And I have to ask you, what, what are your, some of your favorite Christmas decorations and holiday decorations you put up, Nancy? Oh, I love the, I love the outdoor lights. It just makes the whole street um, festive. So I, I love driving around and seeing what, what other people have, and uh, we, we enjoy decorating uh, outside as well. So that really is my uh, favorite part. Now, I, I, before I forget, I, a lot of our neighbors, and we have them well, the, the blow-ups, the blow-up decorations, do, are there any safety tips about that that we should be aware of? Yes, try to make sure that they are well secured because you don't want them flying away, damaging the the wires. Uh, make sure that the connections are uh, up high so you don't have any uh, extension cords or connections that are on the ground that are going to get water in or oh, snow. Yes. So always put them up higher um, and don't daisy chain a lot. Uh, so make sure that you have the right extension cord for the outdoors um, and minimize the the daisy chaining and the plugging all in one receptacle. That, I'm, I'm, I thought about that and I was about to put up or blow up Snoopy on his uh, Christmas house. I wanted to remember that. Nancy Hanna, the singer director of the Electrical Safety Authority, making sure we're safe for the holidays. Nancy, thank you so much for all your safety tips. You uh, you helped a lot of people today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. When we come back, the biggest spending season of the year, how to buy and not break the bank. Do you have a story idea for the feed? Call us at 416-335-1059 or email info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer and more of the feed coming up. This is 1059 The Region. 
Welcome back to the feed. I'm so sorry. I really am. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad tidings, particularly at this time of the year. But according to Equifax Canada, you and I and so many others like us are deeply in debt, collectively to the tune of $2.36 trillion. What? (laughs) Rebecca Oakes is VP of Advanced Analytics with Equifax Canada. She joins us now to explain why we are drowning in debt. So that is my question, Rebecca. Why? Why? Well, the first thing we're seeing is we're seeing people starting to use a credit card more, we're seeing spend increase, and we're seeing a bit more credit usage on things like personal loans, and that's contributing to that that increase. So here are the headlines that that shook me when I read the Equifax survey. Total consumer debt in Q3, the third quarter, climbed to $2.36 trillion. What is is trillion dollars? I've never even said that word before this. I mean, it's a really big number. Um, the good news is around three quarters of that number is actually made up of mortgage debt, and, and so that's going to be a big driver of that increase. But the remainder, the remainder quarter, that is non-mortgage debt, things like credit cards, personal loans, and lines of credit. And speaking of non-mortgage debt, per consumer rose to $21,183. That's the highest level in two years. Yeah, and, and, you know, during the COVID months, consumers were, were quite prudent. We saw credit card balances actually drop significantly, but we are seeing those start to rise again, particularly on that credit card side and personal loans and lines of credit. And it's interesting, 1.5 million credit cards were issued in the third quarter because of a surge in demand, and credit card balances continue to increase. And yet there's the demand, there's the supply, you would think it would even itself out, but it's putting people in debt even further. Yeah, and, you know, I think there was a long period where we didn't see much credit card usage and we we, we saw new credit cards were down. So so a lot of this is more of a return to normal, um, but we are seeing consumers spending at very high levels compared to historically. And spend isn't bad. It's all about whether you can make those payments. Delinquencies are on the rise. What are delinquencies? So a delinquency is really a term we use for when there's a missed payment on a credit trade. So, you know, credit card loan, line of credit. Now, we normally look at uh, three missed payments or more in a row because that tends to be what is um, a good indicator of financial stress. Now, those delinquency levels have been very low through COVID, but they are starting to rise again. So, you know, potentially there are some there is some financial stress coming through now. And news filtered filtered out earlier this week that Canadian households now owe $1.83 for every dollar of disposable income that they have. Can you help us make sense, dollars and cents, of that particular number? Yeah, I mean, really, this is just this is just looking at kind of how, how much people have, you know, taken credit in relation to how much they earn. And again, that did fall during the COVID month, but it is increasing again. So it just means that you, you have more debt than your disposable income. So obviously, you can't pay it in full each month. You have to pay it over a period of time. So having said that, we also look at inflation is beginning to level off, but it's still at record highs. We see interest rates, the seventh uh, rate hike in, in this past year by the Bank of Canada. Affordability is being eroded. And now we've got all of this debt, consumer debt uh, crunch that people are feeling, and these numbers are quite shocking. What do we do with this information, and particularly at this time of the year? This is the holiday season, the time of spending. What do we do with this information? Yeah, and like you say, because it's the holiday period, you know, it's very tempting to go out and spend, and you know, everyone wants to enjoy themselves. So, you know, I think first of all, on the interest rates, they're really important to watch because you know the expectation is they're going to stay high throughout next year. So. 
you know, if you are on a fixed rate mortgage, for example, right now, you're probably okay. But if that's coming up for renewal in 12 months' time, you need to start thinking about what happens if my payments go up and do I need to make some, some changes to my, my, you know, my spending, my lifestyle right now to cope with that. If you're on a variable rate mortgage, you could be feeling that immediately. So, you know, it's really about looking at your individual circumstances and figuring out, you know, can I cope if, if my payments do rise in the next few months? Because they, they may well do. So, according to your survey, debt is on the rise and people are deeply in debt in this country. Many people are. What's your best advice? So, again, it's really just looking at your own circumstances. I mean, the good news is that actually we came from a good start point compared to other historic periods where we've had challenging times like this. Um, you know, people did did spend less during COVID and that was a good thing. But because we are starting to see those balances rise again, it's really just, you know, think about, you know, do you want to go you know, spend on, on, on some of those big ticket items. Um, you know, if you're finding yourself right now unable to kind of just make your, your day-to-day expenses, you know, with your debit card and, and you feel you're using a credit card, again, there, there is organizations out there who can help, who can help you with budgeting. You know, just really look at your, your individual circumstances because everyone is different. Rebecca Oakes, VP of Advanced Analytics with Equifax Canada. I thank you so much for giving us some insight into some pretty startling numbers, but at least there's a ray of hope as well. Thank you, Rebecca. Okay, so how do we start to climb out of debt and stay there? Ann Arbor is with the Credit Counseling Society and is here to help. Ann, welcome to the feed. You are a financial educator. So is that the problem? Do we need to be better educated about our money? I, my view is yes. Um, money is one of those taboo topics that we were taught not to necessarily discuss or ask about, uh, along with, you know, sex, top pol- politics and religion. None of us was born with money skills. For many of us, it wasn't discussed at home. We weren't taught about uh, how to do it. We weren't taught about it in school. And to me, Knowing how to manage your money on a day-to-day basis is as basic a life skill as tying your shoes and brushing your teeth. And according to Equifax Canada, their recent report about debt in the third quarter, this is what stood out for me, and I'll read it to you. The average non-mortgage debt per consumer rose to $21,183, the highest level in two years. How does someone who's in debt to that amount get out of debt? first thing to do is to reach out for some help, to know what your options are for help um, and understand what those look like and what the implications of each one are. And where do you go to find help and, and how do you know that it's legit? I, you really want to go to a trusted source. This is whether you have a friend, um, your financial institution, and certainly I'm a big fan of uh, making sure that it's an accredited, not-for-profit credit counseling agency that can give you information that is neutral. And as I say, you want to make sure that they're accredited. Anybody can put up a sign to say they're a financial advisor, but if they don't have the right initials after their name and the right credentials, I, I would be wary. And let me ask you this. How do you encourage people to come clean, to feel comfortable saying, this is how much debt I have. I don't know how I got there, but I need help to get out. That's a, that's a tough thing to swallow, and it's a tough thing to say. It is. There's a lot of emotion wrapped up in money. And it can be being in debt, and that 
number can be different for each of us, whatever the breaking point is. Some people have a lot more comfort with higher numbers, but um, there's a lot of shame wrapped up in it. But understanding that you're not alone, that there are many, many people and at all income levels, at all education levels, of all ages, because life happens to each one of us at some point or another. Um, but the sooner you reach out for help, the more options there are. What if this is not a one-time thing? What if this has become an obsession, uh, maybe something that is a recurring issue for an individual that debt is always sitting on his or her back? That's really stressful. And, you know, recognizing that and taking some action, there are lots of opportunities. We've got, you know, I'll toot our own horn for a moment, Mm -hmm. but um, lots of free webinars that are available to the public. You just sign up and participate. Um, Educating yourself, reading, starting to read some articles, looking at different trusted voices in the uh, in the in the media and just getting yourself educated and asking for help to learn where you're where you're falling down a little bit and where maybe you can make some changes. We're in the holidays and and they become even more intense in in the coming week or so and then into the new year. So this is maybe the perfect time to help us get on track. So here is your per- first piece of advice: know your real numbers. What do you mean by that, Anne? You know, it's really taking a look at the numbers, at at your statements, at your bills, and finding out where you've actually spent. You know, right now, groceries are just going through the roof. So telling, knowing that you spent approximately, let's say, $100 a week on groceries, is that actually true? Is it more like $150, um, given things that are happening if you're shopping the same way? Around the holidays, telling yourself, well, I set a budget for Ann Romer of $20, so I'm going to go and I found a great scarf for for $19.99. I'm on budget. Well, you still got to pay the sales tax and the wrapping and the gift and the card and uh, and the bow. That $20 gift in your head is in your bank account probably closer to a $30 gift. So when you don't know the true numbers... What's, what's there in black and white on paper, um, that can really be taking you offside and contributing to the debt. Another piece of advice from you, give every dollar a job. I like that. Well, we work really hard for our money. And so we want our money to work hard for us. And again, knowing where those dollars are going, is it slipping through our hands and, and you know, into the coffee shop or into the, to the sandwich shop? And that's not to say that you can't have any fun and that you need to know exactly, you know, keep yourself to very strict budgets, but you need to know how much money you have available to have some fun and what you're setting aside for fun. And as we move further and further away from cash and are using debit and credit more, those little pieces of plastic, it's a little more difficult for us to to feel that pain point of so spending. Ha- having said that, would you suggest that we go back to using cash so we know exactly what we're spending and when and where and why? If it's possible, it's a really great place to start. If you're trying to build new habits, going with cash is a great way to go. There are ways certainly to manage it with plastic, with gift cards and debit cards and those kinds of things. But getting back to basics, there's nothing like it. Plan for irregular or unexpected expenses might even fall under the category of the holidays, Anne. 
Absolutely. It's, I, you know, Christmas is the same day every year, but it becomes this big surprise for people and their budgets. And I, I don't mean to laugh and take that lightly, but we know intuitively in a month we need to pay our rent and our, or our mortgage. We need to buy some groceries. We need some gas in the car or some bus tickets um, or to load the, the Presto card. We forget about those once in a while expenses. So putting snow tires on and taking snow tires off, um, filling a prescription, field trips for the kids, those in, the dreaded indoor shoes for the kids, um, all those little things that happen once in a while, and, and holiday gifts, birthday gifts, um, if you've got a, a wedding coming up in the summer that you know you need to start saving for. So when we don't plan for things, what do we do? We end up putting it on credit because we didn't put aside any cash for that. So planning for your regular expenses and saving up for those ahead of time will go a long way to relieving that need to turn to credit. One of the pieces of advice that you offer is to make debt payments a priority. How do you do that if you're also saving at the same time or trying to? Well, it's, it, it is a bit of a balancing act, and that's where getting some help and a, some, a fresh set of eyes on your, your spending plan will help and knowing what your true numbers really are. So I always like to think of a budget as a, as a jigsaw puzzle, right? We've got those, you pull the four corners first. You've got to have a roof over your head, some food on the table, some gas or bus money, some walking around money. It's all the other pieces of life, and the pieces need to fit together. It's hard to take a piece that's too big or the wrong shape and, and try and jam it in a space where it doesn't belong. Knowing all the pieces of your, of your spending puzzle um, as one piece gets a little bit bigger, unless the puzzle gets bigger, you need to make room and make another piece smaller. So you need to know all those numbers and know what would be available for debt payment. But also by knowing your true numbers, like that first point we talked about, you'll know where some opportunities lie. Can you cut back here and there uh, in other categories to make some cash available for some debt payment? Or you know, on the other side of the equation, do you look to increase your income? Maybe it's taking on a, a shift or two at a retail place. Maybe it's taking on a bit of a what, what the cool kids call a side hustle or <laughs> uh, a second job at this point just to try to make up some of the, the difference. But as we established, you know, debt can be really stressful so and expensive. So the sooner you can start to put some money towards that and work it down, the, the further ahead you'll be in the future. Ann Arbor, I feel like you and I should, and ask everybody listening, take a deep breath. Will you do that with me? <sighs> and know that you're not alone. I, that's, that's my humble piece of advice. It's just so stressful, but you've offered great insight and great advice. How can people find out more from the Credit Counseling Society? We are, uh, our website is nomoredebts.org, and or they can give us a call at one 527 8999 and we have people on the phone six days a week ready to help, and an online chat as well. Ann Arbor Credit Counseling Society, thank you so much. The Money Beat continues with our Shaliza Backus. Well, the time has come. If you haven't 
finished all your holiday shopping, now might be the time. It is ultimate crunch time, that's for sure. And this time of year is often defined as the biggest spending season of the year. And of course, after everything we've been through over the last couple of years, we're excited to get back to celebrating, but we might also need to scale back on how we use our finances. Now, there is a new survey from PC Financial that shows that financial confidence levels and spending habits are quite interesting. And to shed some light on this subject, I'm bringing in Jackie Porter. How are you? I am great. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about this BC Financial Survey and what it found, first of all? Well, yeah, I I feel like lately I've been saying a lot of bad news when I've been on news shows like this. So I'm excited to say some good news is four and five Canadians, according to PC Financial Study, are confident they're going to be sticking to their budgets this holiday season. So that's super encouraging. Having said that, let's get to the not so good news. Millennials are actually one of the groups that PC Financial identified that are more worried about upcoming holiday spending. And and that's 57% of that group compared to Canadians 55 plus, where only 37% of, of them said they were worried about, you know, upcoming holiday spending. The good news is Canadians feel more confident. They think they're going to be sticking to their budgets, but millennials are more worried about their finances. It's all about sticking to the budgets that you have in place. Like it's doing your best to do that. Another really good piece of news is that Canadians are also more confident when they're setting financial goals. We just got to keep an eye on millennials and support them as much as we can in sticking to their holiday budgets and sticking to their budgets as a whole. Yes, I'd like to start a millennial support group right now because I definitely feel like I need that. <laughs> yeah, so you so you feel this. You feel this, right? I do. I, I really do. And, you know, millennials have got a lot on their plate. They're trying to buy a home. They're trying to do so many things. So obviously when the holidays come around, that financial stress is more relevant than ever. And do you find that there's a certain technique that you could recommend to get the things you need for the holidays but still staying somewhat near your budget? The easiest way is to, first of all, streamline all of your accounts. So if you're someone who has bills coming from different accounts and you you know that you have more than one credit card, streamline, streamline, streamline as much as possible. It's going to make it easier for you to stick to a budget you set. If you have one card to track, only one or two bank accounts to track. So that'd be the first thing. Stick to that budget by streamlining and making things as simple as possible. And then when you're choosing banks to work with, Make sure it's one that has apps, tools that make it easy for you to stay on top of where your money is going. So again, if you've got everything in one place almost, and then you can have set a budget that you can create on your banking system, then it's easier to keep track of where your money is going and hopefully sort of make sure when you get off track, it can bring you back on track, right? So one of the things I love about PC Financial is they have they have an opportunity for you to use a PC Financial app, set a budget on there. You have a no fee, no fee banking, which is one of the things I love. I hate paying fees because they, they actually have a way of taking a really big bite out of your finances as well. So set that, set that holiday budget somewhere where you know it's going to be easy for you to stick to, create that budget now. With, along with all the other budget categories you have and, and make sure that it's easy for you to stick to by having all of your banking in one place where you can kind of see it. So I highly recommend PC Financial for that because, as I said, you can set up your 
banking right on their app. You can set up your budget on the app and just make sure if you get off track, there's a way for you to, to, to you know, keep yourself honest. It's all about keeping yourself honest. Once it's all said and done, what do you think is the best way for Canadians to stay on track with their finances headed into the new year after all the holiday spending is over? So this is actually a really good time of the year to create a sustainable budget overall. So we talked about Christmas, but this is a good time. We have 12 months ahead of us. Why not build that budget, that spending plan? Because I know the B word is kind of a dirty word for some people, but why not build that spending plan for 2023 to say, you know what? I know that things are a little bit more uncertain in the economy, so I'm going to focus on the things I can control. I can control my spending and I can plan to spend less and put the difference in investing that in my future self. So let's not make that a holiday goal for 2023 is you know, invest in that future self by putting aside, intentionally putting aside money for savings. So build that budget now. Like I said, go ahead. If you're someone who has trouble using credit cards, consider using something like a money account, have the budget follow you around. So, and look at places where you can get rewarded for spending on what you would spend anyway. Of course, exactly. We all like to spend money, but why not get rewarded for it? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. This is the year to, you know, make sure you get as much free money as possible from your spending patterns. And, you know, really consider if you haven't already, I think that's one of the reasons millennials are a little bit concerned because they do have a little bit less money to work with, which means they have to be careful, not just, I don't want to be the Grinch that stole Christmas, right? I want people to have fun, but also have fun knowing that they can sleep at night in the new year, knowing they've got money set aside for those things that they don't expect, but might show up anyway. Definitely take some time to invest in that future self because it's going to come sooner than you think. Just like the end of this year just came sooner than we thought as well. Sooner than we thought, right? Exactly. <laughs> so take some time just to spend, uh, invest, you know, you spend some money on yourself, but invest in your future self as well by, you know, creating that budget you can live with. Yes, of course. Jackie Porter, thank you so much for joining me. I hope that all of these tips were helpful to our listeners. They were definitely helpful for me. And I'm definitely going to be calling you to start that millennial support group. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm, I'm waiting by the phone for you. Thanks again. <laughs> all right, Jackie Porter. Thank you once again. After the break, Q&A from the mayor's chair. Follow us on Twitter at 1059 The Region. Ann Romer and more of the feed after the break. This is 1059 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Welcome back to the feed. Former Ontario Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca won the race for mayor in Vaughan on October 24th. He was sworn in last month and is now into his first 30 days on the job as opposed to the first 100. So how's it going? Is it what he expected? Have there been bumps along the way that surprised this calm, cool and collected politician? Well, let's find out. Hi, Mayor Del Duca. Welcome once again to the feed. Well, thanks so much for having me on. This is a pretty exciting time for you. You hit the ground running after your inauguration, but it's a different ballgame being a mayor as opposed to being the leader of a provincial party or, or any other level of government. How is it going for you? Listen, uh, so far it's going really, really well. I'm enjoying it. Uh, council is working hard and working well together. Um, we've uh, it's a busy time, of course, heading into the holiday season. There's lots that's going on, but 
it is really an incredible experience to be able to serve the people that I know well in a community where I've lived for more than three decades. It's great to be close to home. And I got to tell you, after one month, I'm absolutely loving it. Oh, that's great. Good to hear that because you still have several years to go. (laughs) (laughs) Mayor Del Duca, let's talk about your priorities. You laid them out in during your campaign, but also in your inauguration speech last month. So let's talk about whether they still are on track, fixing gridlock, for instance. How have you approached that particular priority? Yeah, it's it's such an important thing in Vaughan. We know that our quality of life, which is great in the city, and our economy, which is really strong, for the long term will be hampered if we can't keep both people and goods moving across the city. Uh, So I did talk a lot about the gridlock challenge we faced during the election campaign. I made it quite clear. Other members of council have heard me talk about this. Our senior city staff have heard me talk about it. We need to make sure that we are advancing some of the important road connections that for far too long haven't been built in the city. So really good news, for example, starting in the spring, uh, just a few months away from now, the Kirby Road connection will start construction. So that's really good news. Um, We know that we need more public transit. So, for example, go trains through the western part of our city running up on the the Vaughan-Caledon line, as we call it, and the Young North Subway Extension, two really big signature projects that I've been talking with provincial counterparts about already. So there's there's stuff that we're working on. But, look, the the challenge around gridlock has grown worse through many, many, many years. I I have a strong plan and and a great team and council and staff to tackle the challenge. It's going to take some time. But we're on it, and we're going to keep working hard to deliver. And also delivering, as you mentioned, transformational public transit. That is key. Let's move on to something that every municipality is tackling at this point here in this province and really right across the country. Housing affordability. Where do you begin? How will it end? Well, it is a, it's a huge challenge. And, you know, you've heard me say this, I think, before. My, my wife and I are raising two daughters who are... 15 and 11, and so we, we talk about this as a family, you know, where will they be able to afford to live? You know, the, the dream, I think, for a parent is to try to keep your kids relatively close, at least in my case it is. I'm very, very protective of my daughters. And But you look at the pricing, the price of housing in the GTA and the Golden Horseshoe, and frankly, it is out of reach for far too many middle-class families. So we do need to do better. Vaughn has grown a lot. The, the province has already given us, over the next 10 years, a requirement to be able to accommodate 43,000 additional people over the next 10 years. I know that our planning staff and our infrastructure staff are working really hard to make sure we get all the approvals done in a timely fashion. We, we obviously had some major legislative changes coming out of Queen's Park in the last few weeks, like Bill 109, Bill 23, that have been in the media an awful lot that are, you know, I, I guess are designed to try to speed up processes. I I want Vaughn to be a partner with both the provincial and federal government to make sure we get the housing built. But every single level of government and the private sector and the not-for-profit sector, we all have a role to play. I guarantee that the city of Vaughn will step up and do its part. We just need everyone else to do theirs as well. And Mayor Del Duca, what is your position when it comes to Bill 23, uh, it, the More Homes Built Faster Act that will see the removal of protections from 7,400 acres uh, from the Greenbelt in order to enable the building of new homes? Does it affect Vaughn? There's a small parcel of land, from what I understand, that's included in uh, the Greenbelt removal um, uh, discussion that's part of that legislation. You know, I, I, there's other elements of Bill 23 that have a direct impact on 
how we do our work in terms of making sure we have the right infrastructure in place. And what I'm talking about are the uh, the reduction or elimination of what's known as development charges for certain kinds of housing. Uh, you know, I think I think every single one of us, me included, wants to see barriers reduced or eliminated for affordable, deeply affordable housing, in particular for people who are vulnerable. I think we need to see a lot more of what's known as purpose-built rental housing built in a city like Vaughan where we don't have very much. So even for tenants, it's uh, it's very much out of reach. You know, my position on I campaigned on this as well, creating more green space, building out our trail system, protecting and enhancing green space is on the record and clear. But at the end of the day, I do want to partner, not just with Queens Park, but with Queens Park and Ottawa to make sure we're building all forms of housing, including the stuff that's affordable for young families, stuff that's affordable for seniors who want to downsize, stuff that's affordable for tenants, Stuff that's affordable for, for people who have developmental difficulties or challenges. There's a whole spectrum of what we need to build, and we need all three levels of government working together to make that happen. You've also been pledging to continue to make progress on the Vaughan Metropolitan Centre, the North Maple Regional Park, and the York University Medical School, just to name three. Uh, that's that's a, a pretty big list, and it's <laughs> that's ambitious, but noteworthy. It is, and look, we, we have a lot of ambition here in this city, and, and and for good reason. You know, if you think about the last uh, number of years, a part of this when I was the MPP, but working closely with Mayor, former Mayor Bevilacqua, we did deliver on a hospital that many in our community never thought would happen. Uh, we do have a subway that opened back in 2017 in that Vaughan Metropolitan Center, and again, for years, people said that wouldn't happen. We do have a 10-bed residential hospice and highway expansions and so much more that we have been able to accomplish. I've already met with the president of York University. Uh, that was just a, a number of days ago to talk about the medical school that we want to partner with York to bring uh, to the land that's adjacent to our new hospital. I feel good about that project being on track. Uh, I've had the chance to actually attend one of our first Christmas tree lightings or holiday tree writing lightings that we had in the Vaughan Metropolitan Center. It's a massive structure. It's a beautiful tree wonderful lights. The VMC, is a, as we call it, is a really vibrant, dynamic part of our city. And it's it's scheduled to go through more explosive growth and really transform uh, our new downtown core. And I'm really excited about that. And the North Maple Regional Park, 900 acres of green space to be opened up and built out for our community use. I think that's really exciting, including potential partnerships with Canada Soccer, on a, on a training center that we're, we're hoping to bring to that location. So it's an exciting time in Vaughan. It's an ambitious time, but, you know, I know the people of this community and we can make magic happen. What's your relationship like with your council? Uh, the relationship is good. Everyone, I think, is working well together. Uh, it, you know, it's been a month and we, we've had a few, I'll say, curveballs already thrown our way, but I found uh, in terms of legislative changes and other things like that, uh, but I found is the discussion at council has been uh, productive and professional. And I'll say the informal conversations have been friendly and professional. I think I think everybody understands we, we're given a tremendous responsibility by the people of Vaughan who placed their trust in us to deliver for them. And I think everyone feels the weight of that responsibility. And we, we do want to work well together to deliver for the community. And don't forget, Anne, there are five new faces in the council chamber. That's 50% half yeah. of our council is new. So some of us are still learning our way, but on balance, it's very professional, very courteous, and very determined as a council to deliver for Vaughn. And what does your council say to you about the, right now, the struggle that Mayor Tory is going through with his council when it comes to the strong mayor powers uh, 
that many on his council are, are against it. It may not be something that you have to tackle, but at some point it may be delivered to other cities like Vaughan. What are your thoughts on that, and, and what is your council talking about at this point? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we're all following the news of what's happened in Toronto and Ottawa, the two municipalities where that strong mayor power has been provided. It hasn't really, it hasn't come up in conversation, either officially or informally with the council over the first month that we've, we've you know, we've been doing our work. I, I think that's probably because we're, you know, we're all, um, we're all, we've all jumped into the deep end and we're working hard and we're focused on the issues that we have to tackle in front of us. So it really hasn't come up. I've not heard uh, aside from what I read in media about provincial plans to extend that power, I don't know if that will happen. If it does, I don't know when it will happen. And, and it, once we know those details, as you mentioned, we don't even know if Vaughn will be included. But look, there's 10 people on our council. It's a relatively small group compared to some other councils we have in the, in the province. And we're working really well together. And I, regardless of what the province chooses to do, my goal will to always be uh, to will always be to work collaboratively and in a collegial way with my colleagues on council, because I think that's right at the heart of local democracy. I agree. I absolutely agree. Well, let's talk about the holidays. We are edging ever closer to the time when people come together, finally, after years of COVID restrictions, come together to yeah. celebrate whatever it is that they are celebrating. How is Vaughn recognizing all that is to be celebrated this holiday season? Well, it's a great question, and it is, I mentioned a second ago, a busy time. Uh, up until a few days ago, or December 9th was our deadline. We were, as we have been for 13 years, we were engaged in, as a city in our annual toy drive to support the, uh, the Chum City Christmas Wish. It was a great undertaking by the city, by residents and businesses here in Vaughan. Over the last 13 years, you know, Vaughan, through this project, has helped to deliver over 140,000 gifts to children in need, uh, over and above that, about $130,000 in a financial contribution from our Spirit of Generosity initiative. And it was no, uh, th- th- this year was no exception. The the area in our uh, city hall near the front doors where we have the Christmas tree up and people were bringing in gifts, it started off slowly and small, but by the end of it, by December the 9th, the entire front hall or area <laughs> around that tree in our city hall was completely jam-packed with gifts. It was really, really heartening uh, to see that. Uh, in addition, we've had a whole series of Christmas tree lightings that I've been in. Kleinberg had one, City Hall had one. I mentioned the VMC, and in just a couple of days, we'll be starting a series of menorah lightings. It, it's such an exciting time to be, as mayor, engaged in all of these activities and to see people so happy to be back together, to be out celebrating. The past two and a half or so years have been so, so tough. It's just really nice to be able to be back together with family and friends and to be able to celebrate however we choose to celebrate this time of year. I just want to say from all of us here at 105.9 The Region that we wish you and your family, and that includes your two daughters that you are raising so well here in Vaughan, just the best of holidays, and it's your first as Mayor of Vaughan. Thank you so much for joining us on the feed. I look forward to our chat next month. Thanks so much, and Take care. Happy holidays. And you as well. Thanks. If you missed any part of the feed, please go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you so much for listening.